Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wes heard this music and is out here tearing mics down. Way too intense after your fire or fizzle rocky conversation. We have people texting in the Garage Door Guru text line to lead off the 2 o'clock hour. Big Cat Dan said Rocky Balboa was straight trash. He even go fizzle. He said straight trash. Wes is putting on his microphone so he can't uh, partake in this conversation right now. But we will go to somebody that can partake in this conversation on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Sam Farber. The play-by-play voice of the Charlotte Hornets you can catch right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Before we get to the Hornets, Sam, i got to ask you, what's your favorite Rocky movie of all time? Oh, for me, it's got to be, again, Strago, but I'm very excited about Creed 3 coming out, and I'm super excited now to uh, make a note in my schedule to get the podcast version of this show, because whatever Wes says is straight fire is going to be straight fire. (laughs) I appreciate that. You got to see that Creed 3, man. I told people, take the nostalgia out of it. This one might be the one, man. I'm I'm contemplating if it's better than the Rockies. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gassing it up as much as any. And I loved Creed 1. Are you down with the Creed series too, Sam? I I like it. I like it. I think they've done a good job kind of reimagining the roles, but still keeping it connected to the originals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's a great storyline. And, I mean, what beats boxing movies, really? I mean, they're they're just that. <laughs> Sam Farber joining us with his Rocky takes as well as his Charlotte Hornets takes, calling the game last night as he saw the Charlotte Hornets beat the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden, where I heard all the national media discussing how it was inevitable that New York was going to win 10 straight until the Charlotte Hornets, they showed up and they put down a defensive effort like really we haven't seen in at least three quarters of this game. They win 112 to 105. What were your main takeaways, Sam? How excited were you after you saw the uh, outcome happen the way it did? Well, I think one of the things you threw in there, the defense, that's becoming more and more the foundation of this team, you know, via this coaching staff. That's what they were brought in to do. And if you look historically at Steve Clifford coach teams, they tend to ramp up during year one. And this is about the time that that defensive acumen really starts to kick in. And so I think even though uh, the, the season's certainly been disappointing on the injury front and the stability front due to that fact, uh, they are getting better in the area they wanted to improve in. And hopefully that bodes well for the future when they'll probably have some better injury luck and definitely have some more talent added into the mix via uh, the draft and uh, free agency. Sam, I think Gordon Hayward has been playing excellent so far uh, since the LaMelo injury leading up to the All-Star break, post-All-Star break. And look, that he catches a lot of flack, and I get it, but what he's doing right now, especially getting close to a triple-double last night, 23 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, what have you made of his performances here recently? He's just a really, really strong player, and I think as fans of the Hornets, you have to start to make a pivot and look at, him and his contract situation, which I know is what you're referring to in terms of you know people having uh, some qualms with the level of production, you have to shift your thinking from what he was when he signed originally with the Hornets, which was the leading scorer, which was one of 
see top options each and every time down the floor to what he should be next season if this is a playoff team. And that is typically your third or maybe even fourth guy on the floor at times, depending on how much talent they can put on the floor. Still a huge part of the offense, still a huge piece of the puzzle to make the playoffs and make some noise hopefully when you get there but they don't need or want to depend on him as the number one guy and and this is true of a lot of players i mean outside of lebron and kevin durant who can you think of that reaches the age of 30 uh, you know reaches their early 30s and is still the number one piece on the team it doesn't happen i mean chris paul has, uh, has still played at an all-star level since he's been with the Suns, but he's not their number one guy anymore. Oftentimes, he's number three, and that's part of the, the, the puzzle here for the Hornets. It was pushing talent into the organization. Year one, yes, Gordon Hayward was clearly the best player on the floor, the one that was determining wins and losses. Now, he's going to contribute in major ways, but you don't need him to be your number one. In fact, you probably want this roster to be deep enough that he's number three. That's where they're going to be at their best. Sam, you talked about the defense and how this team has progressed or the normal pattern under Coach. And so when you look at last night, the Knicks shot 80% in the second quarter. They go 10 of 11 from three. But then in the second half, the Hornets only give up 39 second-half points. They hold them to 29% shooting. What did you see as far as what changed in this team to keep them from being so abysmal in the second quarter to playing so well in the second half? Well, they did a much better job of keeping people in front of them on the perimeter. And, you know, I think some of the philosophies, I think, you know, the staff and the team was kind of pretty much unflappable with how they were going to approach things. They they wanted Julius Randle shooting threes. And as well as he's been playing, reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week, you look at the numbers, he's not as good from three as he is once he gets down into the paint and, you know, can get by people. So the Hornets had a really good strategy out there, and they stuck to their guns, even though the Knicks had a really hot second quarter. And then they tried to peel away some of the pieces that, were just too easy. You know, the, the ball fake, uh, drive in and make Mark Williams commit to somebody, or Nick Richards, for that matter, commit to somebody, and then either dunk it yourself or hand it off to Mitchell Robinson, who's going to dunk it. That play was not going to work well for the Hornets. So keeping those players on the perimeter and living with whatever Julius Randle or R.J. Barrett can do from three, that's part of the league. That's why they say a make-miss league out there. If those guys knock down those shots, it can be a long day, and they're exceptional talents, and they often do make those shots. But you have to put yourself in the best position to win. And I think the Hornets had a good strategy to do that and executed it. And last night they battled back from the lead. And this team just, they still, they're still playing hard. They're playing as if they really have something to play for. Is that just an effect of all the veterans on this team and the professionalism? Because normally, you know, a young team, you might see them kind of go into the tank. But this team, they just keep coming out and keep battling. Well, there is a garden factor. Players tend to, you know, push it a, a little bit more at Madison Square Garden and, and also at home. So, you know, I think that I, I don't want to ignore that. But there's also something instinctual about athletes. I mean, you you were an athlete. You were in seasons, I'm sure, where your team was not performing up to the level that uh, was going to put you in line to play for a national championship. But when you line them up there and you're mano a mano with someone else, you're there to do your job and to win that rep, win that play, win that game. And here we are with the Hornets. And, yeah, the, the season is not gone as designed. And in terms of playoffs, there is less on the line now for the Hornets than a lot of the teams they're going to be playing against. But when you get in that moment and you're one-on-one, it's about winning that rep, winning that play, winning that game. And so I think that instinctual nature of athletes all, all, all the time, 
you know, will shine through eventually. And it's about putting yourself in a position to allow that to happen. If you're down by 20 in the first quarter, it's, it's get, it gets tough. If you're in the game and it's, you know, fourth quarter, Madison Square Garden, under two minutes to play, one possession contest, I challenge you to find an NBA player that would wilt under those circumstances or not want to be there for that moment and try and win the game. That's Sam Farber, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets that you can catch right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can hear him on the call tomorrow night as the Hornets travel to Detroit and take on the Pistons. Tip is set for 7 p.m. Sam, we really appreciate the time and we appreciate the Rocky takes. Thanks, Sam. Anytime, we'll see that Creed guys. 3 ASAP. I'm gonna, I mean, it's going on the list. I mean, we only have so much more time here in Detroit, but we'll see if I can sneak it in there to, or it, or some point, you know, maybe Oklahoma. That might be the trip I go see Creed 3. Okay. All right, well, we'll get the analysis from <laughs> Sam on Creed 3, and he'll decide whether it is actually better than the Rocky series. We appreciate Sam Farber hopping it. up. No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to ask me, I'll tell you. So I want to bring people inside the studio real quickly. Mm-hmm. Because we're <laughs> – because it's – while we're conducting that interview – we are also watching the waning seconds of the Syracuse Wake Forest game. And it was back and forth in the last minute and a half or so where Wake Forest tied the basketball game after Syracuse had hit a three to go up 74, 72 Wake Forest hits it tied. Okay. We're all watching while Sam is talking and I don't want to get it twisted. We are paying attention to one Sam Farber. Okay. Like at least I am. Cause I'm not looking at the TV because I know both of y'all will Wake Forest with seven seconds left, grabs a rebound that Syracuse missed on their shot. They dribble down the court, and with five-tenths of a second left to go, they hit a three-point shot to win in the first round, and Wake Forest moves on in the second round. Now, as that all is unfolding, one Wake Forest alum, who I am currently conducting the show with, and one person who absolutely hates Jim Beheim and has probably half of the show during breaks, cussed him out. Okay, with those two people watching this game, it was lit. Fiddy walked away, no, ran away from his microphone and gave us the Tiger Woods fist bump to see Wake Forest eventually move on to the next round after beating Syracuse. Wake Forest alum Wes Bryant, how are you feeling after? Yeah, the let's uh, applaud our professionals though, because as that happened, <laughs> the only thing I did was just my eyes got big. Oh, that was you, the only thing because you, I was listening and watching, but just my eyes got big. You had a little bit of a reaction. No, it's oh, okay. Yeah. It's okay. I picked. I picked Cuse. Uh, yeah, Shroppy's gonna be a part of the things if if he if he fails because he's popping off too much when he gets stuff right. So he's got to be a part of the consequences <laughs> if he falters. But um, no man, I'm excited because last year when I got to Brooklyn, um, Wake was already out, and that mm-hmm. was the year when I really thought we had a chance to make some noise. And so I was very frustrated not to get to see Wake. So I'm excited now that they will go on uh, into the next day. They've got a tough matchup coming up uh, against Miami. But uh, they, these two, they played a great game uh, just uh, about a week ago, a week, week and a half ago. Wait, now, they did have Monsanto at that point, but uh, they, they played a pretty good game against one another. So it should be interesting, man. Wait, that's why I put it in the rundown. We talk about wild cards, and there's always a team that comes out of nowhere every tournament to make a run or get to the championship game. I'm not saying they're going to do that. But these are the type of wins that propel teams to have, you know, a run late into the weekend. Wake Forest will move on to the quarterfinals, just so everybody knows. And they'll play tomorrow at noon, and they will play Miami, the number one seed, coming off of a double bye to enter the ACC tournament. 
Steve Forbes, let's just talk about him for a second before we move on. We'll talk a little bit more about the ACC tournament with a little fill-in-the-blank segment about the ACC tournament. But Steve Forbes gets this win, and man, is it big, especially just the way it all happened, right, without Monsanto. Don't think Wake Forest is going to go to the NCAA tournament, even with a win against Miami. I don't yeah, even, they have to win a tournament, no far, question. I mean, how far out are they right now? I don't even know if they show up in the stratosphere that allows you to think they could make it. But either way, you know, with Steve Forbes, last year, if you would have beat Boston College, you probably make it, right? Mm-hmm. And you lose, and it's a huge game. And here you actually come back and win your first ACC tournament game, I believe, if you're Steve Forbes. Yeah, so, in a while. Yeah, so it's nice to see that. Just where are you right now as an alum on how, how good you feel about your head coach? I felt a little bit underwhelmed uh, before Monsanto went down because I thought at certain points of the season when they were hovering in the four, five, six range that they had a chance uh, to, to have a good team and to get to the NCAA tournament when they were getting some big wins, especially after they had beaten Duke. But then just down the stretch, man, just too many turnovers, not being able to defend in key junctures of games. Uh, you know, you just felt a little bit, uh, you know, underwhelmed because this league, there's not like there's teams full of just great players that are just so hard and, and, and overwhelming for a team to deal with. Like I said, they just went into Miami and battled with them all the way uh, to the wire in a game that was just bucket trading bucket. So mm-hmm. right now, as far as just where he's at in the process, I'm still kind of wait and see. I think next year is going to be a really big year for him to really establish. Okay. We know what he's getting some four-star recruits in. We know what he can do in the transfer transfer portal because we talked about Applebee won AP player of the year. That's the second straight year Wake has had the AP ACC player of the year. Both of them transfer portal guys. So I know that he can recruit. Just got to put it together and get to the NCAA tournament. Finney, how are you feeling over there before we move on to this next segment? Because you seem extremely excited for what just happened. There's nothing I love more than seeing Jim Beheim get his ass beat. I, I, you know, we haven't done Fitty favorites in a while. I want to do Fitty's least favorites, maybe tomorrow, because I want to know what the top coaches are that are your least favorites. If you had to yeah, come up be good. with a bottom five, the the guys that are going to be in there, Tony Bennett, Jim Beheim, Kevin Keats. You're, you're, you're doing the list for me. It's not Walker's favorites. It's Fitty's favorites, damn it. Well, I know what coaches are going to be there. I'm asking for the order from you. That's what I want to know, because I haven't heard you talk about Anybody else, the way you talk about Jim Beheim, hey, Coach K, you'll talk about Coach K that way. But Jim Beheim, you got some real hatred reserved for him. Well, the thing is, is when he joined the ACC, he was my, if I had a second or third favorite coach in the country, he was up there. I loved Syracuse in the Big East. And then he came to the ACC and I realized how much he complains for a guy who's won a national title. One, that's it. And then when he crapped on Tournament Town, which is beloved Greensboro, North Carolina. That was the last I just, I mean, just, just, just keep your New York ass up there, man. We don't want you down here anyway. <laughs> okay, that's Finney's take on Jim Beheim. <sighs> Let's talk more about the ACC tournament. We're doing some fill-in-the-blank stuff. So here are a couple. Carolina will beat BC if. NC State will beat Virginia Tech if blank. And here's one. If Carolina loses to Boston College, Hubert Davis's job security will be blank. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. We answer on the other side. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. back west and walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz keep the text coming on the garage door guru text line 704-570-9610 hit the socials west and walker on twitter wfnz's twitter and wfnz on instagram acc tournament in full effect we've had great games so far my deeks just won with a three-pointer at 0.5 Seconds to go in the ball game, sending Syracuse home. Wake will play Miami, but we got some other big games coming up today as well. Cue the music, Fitty, Carolina Tar Heels. Today, they will be getting it on against Boston College, and so uh, this is a tremendous matchup, tremendous stakes for the Tar Heels. But they've won three straight, 15 out of the last 16 games versus Boston College. They have won, and they are 2-1 and one against BC in the ACC tournament. And so we're going to play a little fill-in-the-blank. You remember that back in the day? There's no word bank here like it used to be on your test. This is just open-ended answers. And so I will get things started off. First off, we start with the heels. Carolina will beat BC if blank happens. I'm going to say they will beat BC if they shoot the ball well from three. Their 30.9% from three is 326 in the country, the second lowest in school history, but they are 9-0 this season when shooting 35% or higher from three-point range. I don't think that's uh, too much to ask from a team to shoot 35%, but Walker, what say you? Carolina will beat BC if this happens. Yeah, Carolina will beat Boston College if Armando Baycott takes 10 or more field goal attempts. If you look at the last three games, he went 4 of 8 against Duke. He went 0 of 4 against Florida State, and he went 4 of 6 against UVA. I mean, Armando Baycott, if you look at this game log, just isn't shooting nearly as much. He had 15 against Notre Dame, 14 against NC State, and then in the loss against Miami, he had 5 of 6. Like, this is becoming way too frequent where that wasn't happening even when the Tar Heels were struggling at the beginning of the season too, right? There was a point where you felt okay and you had felt like North Carolina kind of got out of whatever the lull was at the beginning of the season and Baycott was starting to cook. But now since they've hit that downward trajectory, Baycott just isn't scoring nearly as much or at least putting up enough shots, right? He got to the foul line against Duke and that was great. But I want to see him take more than the eight field goal attempts, the four and the six that he's had in each of the last three. Give me 10 field goal attempts or more for Baycott. Fiddy, did you have any answer and fill in the blank? Uh, yeah, if they score more points than okay. Boston College. No, that's good. No, that's perfect. Uh, for me, it, it comes down to um, 
the way they start the game. I think if they come out and they get off to a fast start like they did against Virginia and they did like they did against Florida State, this game could be over rather quickly. I don't know if Quentin Post, the, mo the ACC's most improved player, is going to be on the court or not. Jordan Cornette said yesterday during the broadcast he's not competing at all in Greensboro, but then there are some people that says that his availability is still in question. So if Carolina behind what will be a pro-UNC crowd gets off to a fast start, I think makes it their path to winning this game a lot more easier. Okay, all right. NC State, they've got Virginia Tech. So NC State will beat Virginia Tech if I will start things off again. If they run, baby, run. Because NC State leads the ACC and they are fifth in all of Division I and fast break points. They average around 16 of those per game. They're 19 and 5 this season if it has double digit fast break points, just three of four if it has less than 10 fast break points. Walker, what say you? What is the most important thing? for NC State to beat up on the Hope. I have Virginia Tech winning this game. This is true. And it's because I view Justin Mutz so highly. If NC State beats Virginia Tech, it will be because DJ Burns wins the battle against Justin Mutz. Mm. DJ Burns has been excellent offensively. That guy hits tough shots every single, really in the second half of the season, that's all he's done to help out NC State, especially when Terquavion Smith has gone cold. It's not like Mutz is the tallest dude in the world. He's listed at 6'7", but as you saw against Notre Dame last night, he can make his presence felt, and he has a little bit of an ability to shoot from outside. Close to 43-point field goal attempts. If you bring Burns outside, I think that allows for Couture and whoever else to eat inside when you're talking about those pick and roll actions, the ability to penetrate, get in the paint and score. I, I think that Justin Mutz, DJ Burns battle is going to be monstrous and it was by far the hardest game for me to choose from in this ACC tournament. Yeah, over the last 10 games, DJ Burns, 19 points a game while 18.7 shooting almost 60% from the field. Fiddy, what say you? Uh, for me, uh, it, it comes down to Burns but in a different way. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. When he's on the court, the game is easier for Jarkel Joyner, who Walker blindly picked to win the ACC Player of the Year. We've noted the struggles for Traquavion Smith the last month, month and a half of the season. So if he can stay out of foul trouble, I, I like State's chances to advance to the quarterfinal. If Carolina loses to Boston College, Hubert Davis's job security will be I say just fine for now. I think maybe we start to preheat the oven for dinner. But I will say I think his job security will be just fine because he brought himself some cachet with what he was able to do last season. But like I said, we're going to start to preheat the oven for dinner and get ready to get that food prepared because it's going to start to get just a little bit warm. I'm going to go with the comparison a lot of people have been making. I'm going to say Doherty Light because Matt Doherty went 26-7. and Got to the NCAA tournament, coach of the year with North Carolina. The next year they went 8-20. and 20. North Carolina did not go 8-20 and 20 this season. But they missed out on the tournament if they don't make an ACC tournament run, that is. But they'll have missed out on the big dance, and that's a pretty big drop from being the preseason number one. The third year, our friend Matt Doherty went 19-16, and 16 and it wasn't enough. I don't think that same scenario would happen to the point where Hubert Davis would be let go, but that's why I'm going to go light. People are going to be talking about that storyline. It's going to pick up more steam. That's that's what's going to happen this offseason if they don't make the NCAA tournament, but I don't think that he would have a 19 and 16 season and then get fired. I'm going to go Doherty light. Are we heating the oven to 400, Wes? We're keeping about 350, 375. Yeah, we're going lose. about 350, man. You know, we're going to put a nice roast in there and let it cook for a while. I, I've said really <laughs> since their, their struggles became evident, I'm not in the business of firing Huber Davis. Yeah. But if they lose tonight, he's got to own the fact that he may have had the greatest 
first season as a head coach in the history of college basketball and the most disappointing second season if you go from preseason number one and miss the field. So I would say that his job would be moderate on the hot seat entering what would be a very important 23-24 campaign. All right. Tyree Appleby was named the Associated Press's ACC Player of the Year, not named that by the conference. That went to Isaiah Wong. But him winning it to me, as a Wake Forest fan, is great because that gives Wake back-to-back ACC Player of the Year. The only reason I did not have him uh, up there like that was just team success, and I thought in some of the big games he had a lot of turnovers. But coming into this tournament, he leads the ACC in points. He is sixth in the country in assists. He leads the ACC in minutes played and is second in steals. And if he finishes the entire season leading points, and assists or points assists and minutes played, he will be the first player in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference to do so. So I will say him winning ACC Player of the Year, according to the AP, is dope. I'll say Tyree Appleby being named Associated Player, ACC Player of the Year, balances the scales. Because if you look at Isaiah Wong, I have no problem with him winning it, especially in a season where it was so hard to choose who was going to be that guy that represents the ACC. But that also means I would have been just fine if Tyree Appleby won it. The assist, the points, the ability to get to the free throw line matters. I think you just saw his ability to run the offense with Wake Forest against Syracuse, where he's all over the place. He's really hard to guard. I'm glad he gets recognition. I have no problem with Wong winning it, but to me, this balances the scales to where two really good players this season take away some hardware, so I'm glad that Applebee was awarded that. And I'll right. just use your word, my bad, Wes. No, you're good. Go ahead, partner. Uh, that you said it's fine. I don't necessarily love it, but I don't necessarily hate it. And if Wake Forest was 21 and 11, 22 and 9, or 22 yeah. and 10, no one would bat an eye. But because they're 19 and 13 now, that's why we maybe raise our eyebrows. As I've said all week long, I would have given the award to Kyle Filipowski. All right, John Shire needs to accomplish blank to receive an A for this season. I think winning the ACC tournament would put him. Uh, at, well, okay, hold on. I'll say <laughs> winning the ACC tournament, and then if they get to at least the Sweet 16, I think that's an A. See, I put Sweet 16 appearance as well. And in fact, even if you don't win the ACC tournament, if let's say you win one game and then lose the next one, I'm fine with that, to be honest with you. If you make the Sweet 16, given your first year, given the way it all went to be a top 16 team at the end of the college basketball season, I think that deserves an A, especially with the way that everything went down. So that's what he needs to accomplish to me. Duke is going to want to have some semblance of postseason success, especially in the what have you done for me lately category. Can't end as uh, can't end any later than what you do in March. Sweet 16 is the answer. This is how I know we're the three kings because we're all in like step here. It's the it's make the second weekend of the tournament. Because it's all a crap shooting based on matchups from there on out. And if Duke, if Duke makes the Sweet 16, depending on their draw, no one's going to be surprised if they go back to the Final Four. So I would say it's probably already an A. Undefeated at home, you swept Carolina. He makes the second week of the tournament. He might be in that A-plus category. Okay. So the best player in the ACC tournament is blank. Now, Tyree Appleby, I just read off some sterling numbers for you. But he's had some tough games coming into this one. He had 15 and 12 dimes today, but I'm going to go with Jarkel Joyner. He closed out the regular season in his last six games, averaging 23 and a half points, five over five and a half rebounds, five assists, and two 
steal. So he is the hottest and the best player in the ACC tournament for me right now. So I think this is where it starts to get to a conversation of who wins MVP and who is the best player in the league, right? Mm -hmm. Like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, some of the best in their sport did not win MVP every single year. It would go to somebody else. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that those guys weren't deserving of their MVPs. That's why you might apply this logic and say it's Isaiah Wong, Walker. If you think he's cool with winning player of the year, then you'd have to go Isaiah Wong here. But this is where I actually take Fiddy's answer and apply it. I think Kyle Filipowski is the best player in the ACC. Mm. I think this is someone that can do a lot of things with his versatility. I think he's playing a lot better recently, too. And yes, with the emergence of Tyrese Proctor, yes, with the defensive ability that they have, I watched Filipowski, even against a North Carolina team that's not great defensively, didn't matter who you put on him. <clears throat> Kyle Filipowski still scored the basketball. He still is going to be one of the higher draft picks in this sport. And he's, even with Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead being close to him, Filipowski clearly had the better year compared to all those guys. I think Filipowski's the answer. Yep, that's, that was going to be my answer because I what he did on Saturday night was just sensational. In that environment, the biggest game of the year, he carried and willed his team to a win on the road. So for my answer, I'd go Filipowski. Okay, let me step Talk in to here. me. Talk to me. Yeah, let me step in here, man. You guys are, well, for one, I love Fiddy, man, and I know the Carolina fandom is real, but that, that was not the biggest game in the league this year. It was the biggest game for Carolina this year. Carolina's the ninth-ranked defense in the ACC. Kyle Filipowski is uh, 18th in the league in scoring. I know he had a nice game against him, but you guys – aren't thinking about some of the other games where he had where he hit that wall and he just wasn't there for them as far as being a dominant player. He's starting to play good basketball again, but as far as just you want to look at Isaiah Wong or Tyree Appleby or Jarkel Joyner, the way uh, that they are playing at this juncture and the way that they played all year, I can't say that. I do like Kyle Filipowski. I do think that he is a tough player, but I can't give him best player in the league status yet. He, I, I haven't seen... The, the Carolina performance, it was really good, but I haven't seen dominant performances from him yet to say uh, that type of stuff. I mean, I'm in the belief that he could use another year in school, to be frank. But uh, And I like Jarkel Joyner a lot as well. Uh, I mean, it was really, a, a, again, the what have you done for me lately category that allows people to think Jarkel Joyner is the best in the tournament. So if you're just going for a specifically who's playing the best right now, I actually do agree with you. I think it is Joyner. But if you're just trying to encompass everything together. But he's still fourth in the ACC in scoring. Like, he's been pretty consistent all year as far as playing good basketball. No, and I'm with you. I think Filipowski probably has a bigger impact on the game, especially when you're trying to figure out what he can do with his versatility. And he's also uh, a guy that's, what, top five in rebounds per game this season with Filipowski? Plus, that guy can play on the perimeter. Yeah, I'll go with Filipowski. I mean, before the Carolina game, we're talking about he scored 14, 13, 12, and 11. So, yeah, Jarkel has been a better score, no doubt. And he had a goose egg against Virginia. So, I mean, I, I can't give you that type of status like that. All right, let's go to the last, but, you know, we love each other, and that's why you're you and mm -hmm. I'm me. And a little Fitty less Fitty. right now, though. A little less right <laughs> now. All right, Fiddy, let's go with the uh, Fiddy Flash. What you got, baby? Last one of the day. Well, we're actually going to keep it in the ACC tournament in Greensboro. Uh, Jim Beheim addressed the media following the loss to Wake Forest in the second round of the tournament, and the, the the retirement question popped up. And he said that it'll be up to the university. A dramatic shift in answers where oh. he said earlier this year that 
I determine when I'm, my, my time here is, is over, season is now over, that answer changes. We've already lost Mike Bray. He's out of. The, he's leaving the ACC, not leaving coaching. Are we also going to lose Jim Beheim? Yeah, this seems like an answer where Jim Beheim usually would say, yes, of course, I'm still coaching. And remember at the beginning of the season, he, he it felt like he was going to come back. We asked him about that at ACC Media Day. It was still a, a pretty big point of conversation. Yeah, this certainly leaves the door open for him to retire, especially if this is the kind of answer he's giving. Yeah, I think that um, I forgot which analyst we had come on or somebody I read or something that said that Beheim still thinks that he can control uh, – if he's still coaching maybe at Gary Syracuse Parrish, or not. Maybe. Yeah, and they're saying that the fans are uh, not with that uh, at all. And and just doubling back again, you know, are to you be Petty West. To just to be Petty West Can because you, you try to say no, because, because you try to say he's a better scorer, but I did say that There's over the last six games he's five assists and two steals. Your man Filipowski, uh, four out of the last five games, zero blocks, and uh, he had two out of his last four games, double-digit rebounds. So I just, you know, I had to come back and throw that in. Right. No, well, well worth your time. Thank you All right, very so much. So when we Appreciate come it. back on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to close this thing down. What's on tap on this day in sports history? This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Second time, I think the mic has caught you singing. One intentionally, one maybe not so much. <laughs> it's Weston Walker finishing up here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate John Hale joining us, talking about Will Levis and how he might fit with the Carolina Panthers. If he is the first-round pick, and also Sam Farber talking about the Charlotte Hornets, their win last night against Fitty's New York Knicks. Now, I know you are in complete college basketball mode. But were you still upset with the fact that the Knicks could not get the job done to win 10 straight in Madison Square Garden? I knew when I got the halftime update of 66 to 50, I knew we were going to lose the game. Because the Knicks have been notorious all year long for getting big first half leads and blowing them. And then Willie sent a group text to a group chat of me, Flown, Bone, and him because we're all Knicks fans. And he was like, if they bleep and blow this game, <laughs> you know. And so I, I was on the lookout. Then when I got the final score notification, I just started laughing. Like only the Knicks could have a chance to have their first 10-game win streak in over a decade and lose to the second-worst team in the Eastern Conference. Like, that's why I have no faith in them. All right, so if you want an update on the ACC Tournament Bracket Challenge within WFNZ, I don't know what Flounders – Stats are right now. I don't know what Troppy's is. Is Troppy still undefeated? Did he choose? Uh, yeah, he chose Wake. Okay. Well, Troppy. And then he came in. I like how Troppy made one appearance 
he came in front of the glass over here, just did like a, you know, whatever clown and dance, whatever it was. I don't know. And then he just went right back. Like I've seen him for two seconds and he was talking about how he was undefeated, I guess. By the way, there's a bracket on the wall and the person's name is Dub. That's me, man. It's Dub. Oh, for Wes, I guess. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I'm a Dub too, I guess. Yeah. So you just, I guess you're the OG dub. I guess you just get to claim that nickname. Yeah. You got so many nicknames, man. Can you can you let us have some? Is that okay? <laughs> you got Black Ice, which I guess I couldn't pull off. Yeah. The Wasaya. Yeah. Couldn't pull that one off either. I, I just thought Chris? it was maybe him saying this is a dub because he's going to win the whole thing. Is Collins no. up here? It's They're laying, I, oh, I laid them on the table because, gotcha. you know, you're, you have the grading scale and stuff like that. I kind of tasked you with keeping up with all the grading. Well, I mean. We and I'm learning that was a bad decision. How is that a bad decision? Because you don't have the scoring. Because you don't have them up on the wall. You have them <laughs> stacked on top of one another in between computers and Lysol cans and lotion bottles. Oh. That's what you have right now. I, I can make that lotion bottle disappear. I don't know why. That's that's <laughs> why. Why? I just. Why, though? I shouldn't have brought it up. It's my own fault. If there's any <laughs> avenue for you to take to make it very weird, you're going to take it. And I apologize to the listeners. Fiddy is leading in the ACC tourney challenge right now because of Wake Forest win over Syracuse. Despite you pulling for the Demon Deacons, you did have the Orange winning. So you still remain at your two points from yesterday. Yes. I still remain at my three points from yesterday. After my first loss came in the second round, Fiddy now jumps ahead of me because this game is worth two points. So now the point total right now, four for Fiddy, three for me, still two for you. Mm -hmm. So if we look at Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh, I believe that game is at maybe tied. I think it's, it's we still, all pick Pitt. Still very early, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Pittsburgh, the, the real the real game changer is going to be VT and NC State. Well, and then for me, Carolina, because I got them going all the way to the final, y'all have them losing in the second or in the quarterfinals. Well, in the second round, at least, we'll figure out some things tonight when Virginia Tech. Yeah, for the, your bracket could be busted. Well, in mine, so what I did was I had not chaos, but some interesting things go down in the first couple of games, but then I went chalk the rest of the way, which is a pretty decent strategy. Fitty just said, hey, heels, we're going all the way, baby. And Tyler Hansborough, I know your boy, he also said that North Carolina could win four games in four days. Did that Even if it's Hansborough, did what that just make you – Yeah, exactly. Did you just feel so vindicated in your in your choice because Hansborough also said the same thing? I mean, you know, it, it, it does help when the greatest college player to ever play at, the, at Carolina comes in and backs up my opinion. So, yeah, and look. Mm -hmm. Does he know that he can't play? <laughs> Shit. I wish. I bet, he, I, bet if, I bet if he went strapped or put some sneakers on right now, he'd still. No, 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 no. I would not say that at all. <laughs> I'm saying, does he not know that he can't play for Carolina oh. tonight? That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. I would never disrespect uh, Tyler Hensworth like that, even though he is probably my most hated Tar Heel of all time. Yeah. But that's maybe. because he's the most decorated, and he was just out of this world. Well, and he in played college, and he played a style that was easily hated. Yeah, I know Hensworth. Well, me the playing work. hard. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. Honestly. Yeah. We, we hate. We hate. You said that was easily man. attainable. No, hateable. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Well, because he's not because, oh, so awkward looking. Everything he did. Well, he was the king of the and one. Yeah, the and athleticism it, wasn't that great. So you like, how is he putting up twenty eight and fifteen? 
Ding. I'll say this, though. Sneaky athletic for Hansboro. There I remember goes, the white guy racial term. Well, yeah. God, I really Sneaky did do athletic. that, didn't I? I'll say this. <laughs> That's the first time I've said it and meant it to. You know, it's like re- <laughs> it's like refreshing the calendar for white guy cliches. Yeah. Now you have to, I went so long. Dang. I can't believe I did that. But I went to a game against High Point one time, mm-hmm. and they were out there messing around before the game actually started. I was geeked up. It was my first North Carolina game in the Dean Dome. It was Roy Williams' attempt and eventual six, uh, being successful, winning his 500th game. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Hansborough was doing like 360s, cocking it back, slamming it home. Remember Kenny George dunk on, man. Yeah, yeah. He could jump, man. There was no question about that. It was just he looked so stiff when he moved. That, that you're just right. like, how is this guy able to just dominate? Like, he dominated pretty much every game that he played. Well, and and the thing, too, is Hansborough was the king of the and one, but also it was the dribble left, dribble left, spin right, mm-hmm. shot over the left shoulder, fading back, but also strong enough to get it done, and he just made that shot a million he times. Yeah, an ugly jumper, and it always seemed to go in. But he was just such a monster down. Let, let's do this game real quick. We'll go what's on tap in this day in sports history, but just rapid fire. Most hated players at each of the... I guess triad schools because okay. Tyler Hansbro, I think as much as I loved him, he's one of my favorite players ever uh-huh. growing up as a heels fan. Uh-huh. I could see how that would be the answer for most people. I can't think of anybody at NC state right now. Cause they're all losers. <laughs> Duke was JJ Redick. I, I like him a lot now. Grayson Allen. Yeah. Grayson Allen was bad. What about you? Um, Duke? Duke, I would probably have to agree with the Grayson Allen deal. Grayson Carolina easily talent is probably well, not even a tie. Tyler Hansborough barely edges out Anton Jameson. You me. hated Jameson like oh, that? Oh, God, I no, hated Jameson. That rebound put back that he would always do that. Phenomenal player. What Queen City. Year? Yeah, Queen City. But, man, I mean, he would put an easy 28 up. Just rebounds, put back. I mean, I hated Jameson. You know who I couldn't Sports stand? Hate. You know what NC State player I couldn't stand? And I, and I don't know if I have a, a real good reason for right. it. Inganatsor. He just stayed for a long time. <laughs> That's what that was the guy. That's the one that I could not stand a lot. Yeah, Jack says as a UNC fan, it's McCants for me. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't have Larry a, Drew the second. I don't have an NC State player that I can think of off the top of my head that that I sports hated. Marcus Melvin is my favorite state player. Mm-hmm. Like a stretch monster big for the before there were really that kind of players out there. Mine was L- Scott Wood. I think was his first name. Oh yeah, he I mean, was a sniper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd go with Julius Hodge because he was kind of when I was in school. But I and, loved him, though. But when I was in school and Wake was the top 15, top 10, 15 team, and they were one of the teams that was standing in mm-hmm. the way. So Julius Hodge and then for, for Duke, uh, like I said, yeah, Grayson Allen. But I'd have to think, though. Notice man. notice how no Oh, one, no, Kristen Layton. I'm sorry. I didn't grow up with him. Yeah, Kristen so, Layton. I mean, I, sure. I did, but I don't remember watching him play basketball. Notice how no one is giving you a Wake player. I cannot tell you a Wake player I hate. I hated Tim Duncan in the pros. Um, I can't tell you one, though. I mean, I I just I mean Chris Paul is is pretty hateable, given what he did. But yeah, I can't hate anybody like that. Uh, who was y'all's point guard in two thousand nine? Is it Ish Smith? Uh, uh, Jeff Teague. Yeah, Jeff Teague. Oh, I, oh, I hated Jeff Teague that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darius Sangaila for Wake. That's what somebody wrote in. We're, uh, we're getting a lot of good text Darius messages. Sangaila was nice. Yeah, we're gonna have to miss some of these. All John right, real, Collins. Real quickly, what happened on this day in sports history, Fitty? Uh, on this day in 1971, I put this in there just because I knew we were doing Rocky and Fire or Fizzle. Joe Frazier ends Muhammad Ali's 31 
fight winning streak at MSG, retaining the heavyweight boxing title by unanimous points over 15 rounds in what was deemed the fight of the century. It's a pretty good one for on this day in sports. It's pretty good. I thought it would be uh, he would go to one of the times Carolina beat Boston College in a tournament. Um, by the 2007. way, um, what's on tap? ACC tournament. I'm going to get interrupted for Carolina Hurricanes talk, or can we go to Kyle Bailey? Uh, no, the, I, I think the Canes took an L last night okay. for the Canadian. All right, all right. Thank you. Yes, uh, we're getting signs. Uh, what is it? What are you saying, Smoke? All right, they won. Oh, Congra- they came back and won. Congrats to the game. How many people care? You're you're the Messiah. You got to know your hockey stuff, man. You got to know it. All right, Kyle Bailey, he'll fill you in on everything going on with the Carolina Hurricanes. Coming up next from 3 to 6 at Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.